Welcome to In My Own Words, where we stand on our opinions like Kirk Franklin stands for taking gospel music to new heights. Cussing for Jesus. Who would have thunk it? Let's start the show. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Welcome to episode 69 of the In My Own Words podcast. I'm your host, Tony R. Sanders. Thank you guys so much for joining us today for episode 69 Man, let me tell you guys this. I'm just in full transparency. I, I I make this podcast because I like it, not because it's gonna like um, buy me a house one day or something. I don't know. A lot of people making podcasts because they want to make a lot of money, and then that doesn't happen. They stop making podcasts. I get it, but I do this one because it's therapeutic for me. I love having fun. I love you know it's kind of a creative outlet for me, and I love talking about some of these issues and just you know having fun with them. Right? Share my opinion. I have an opinion about almost everything. Uh, if you if you ask me and I'm comfortable with you, but today has just been the weirdest day. I've been so busy lately with a lot of things going on in my personal life, and I forgot that today was podcast day. So for those of you who don't know, I record this podcast on Wednesdays to ensure that it comes out on Thursday. And I was looking around, and it was dinner time, and I was cooking dinner. And I realized that I had not recorded a podcast. Normally, I record the podcast, I get it done at some point in my day, knock it out, get it out the way, and then I come in and do the podcast, you know, go in, do the rest of my day, dinner, bed, whatever, chilling. I thought I may have even been able to play some Call of Duty tonight or even some Fortnite or something. No, I'm in here in my PJs. I'm in my P. I'm in my PJs <laughs> recording a podcast. So I said that to say, I really want to talk to you guys about this, number one. Number two, I said that to say, I ain't going to be out here all night. So if you're looking for an hour episode or something like that, two hours, which I don't think I've ever done, uh, you're not getting it tonight, okay? We're going to talk about Kirk Franklin cussing out his kids, and we're going to get out of here, <laughs> all right? But um, so interesting. So for those of you who don't know, for those of you who think the gospel music is going too far, no. Um, <laughs> you you think we've gotten too radical with our message? Well, yeah. Now, now I have, Kirk. At first, you know, I didn't think it was too radical, but now, now we're a little too radical with our message. Um, for those of you who don't know, gospel music legend. Can we start there? Gospel music legend, Kirk Franklin, was caught on uh, audio recording uh, by his son, his first son named Carrion Franklin, um, who's around my age. He's, he's 32, soon to be 33. They were having a conversation, a heated discussion, and his son was recording the phone call. Now, there's so much to unpack here. But in that recording, Kirk was using some choice words. Kirk, Kirk was, was, was cussing the hell out that boy. I'm just going to say <laughs> Kirk was putting together some combinations. He was like, mm, mm-mm, mm-mm, bile. And then, and then banged it on him. Then hung up, was like, and, uh, you know what I mean? Like, then he hung up on him. It was, you know. So, so with that recording being released, it is believed to be the intent of the son was to damage his father's reputation and overall his career an attempt to cancel Kirk Franklin which of course sparked a lot of different emotions and a lot of different responses from a lot of different people and we are here to break down it all 
First of all, let me put Kirk Franklin into context for you. If you didn't grow up as a church kid or grow up listening to gospel music, right? Especially in my era, my time frame, right? I was born in 87. So growing up in the 90s, listening to music, I didn't want to listen to gospel music because it was all boring to me. <laughs> it was all like, oh, you just took those words that some dude wrote in the Bible, like that, that King David wrote a thousand million years ago, and you just put some piano keys and an organ behind it. That just doesn't appeal to me. Now, there are some uh, musicians and, and music artists in the gospel uh, industry that do it uh, better than that. But a lot of it was like these hymns of the scripture that we just read, and it don't even rhyme. It ain't slapping like that. You know what I mean? It didn't have no bars to it. I'm like, I don't want to listen to this. But then arise this young curly head dude from Texas named Kirk, not Kurt, Kirk, Kirk Franklin. And he was making some, what was seen uh, at that time was some radical gospel music. He was making music that sound like the actual music I wanted to listen to. He was making gospel music, music that was glorifying the gospel of Jesus Christ and glorifying God, but it sound like an R&B bop or it sound like a rap song. And he even featured some of the, quote, secular <laughs> rap artists on some of his song or R&B artists on some of his songs, right? If you've ever listened to the song Stump, Makes me clap my hands, makes me want to dance and stomp. That song is a rapper on there, Salt of Salt and Pepper. So he did a good job of like bringing in the generation of people like me who may not have ever fallen in love with gospel music if it weren't for him bridging the gap. And then you have other people that came behind him and do it, and now it's kind of a regular thing. And, you know, there's some Jonathan McReynolds songs you listen to today, and you're like, I don't even know what this is. Is this gospel? Is it, you know, you listen to some Mali music songs. That, you know, it's some gospel artists who have made love songs and love albums. I think David and Tamala Mann made an R&B album. And I think, um, I think um, Fred Hammond made an R&B album, right? But between him, Kirk Franklin, and John P. Key, that was all we had, <laughs> If you wanted to listen to some gospel music as a kid and you weren't necessarily into the type of music your parents were into, you had to listen to that. And there were a lot of people, especially our grandparents, saying then that that music wasn't right. And that, that Kirk Franklin, boy, you got you to gotta watch out for him. Something right about that Kirk Franklin. Well, they were wrong all the way up until this message came out on Sunday. <laughs> all, all of the old people feel vindicated. Now. See, I told you that, that Kirk... I told you that Kirk wasn't nothing. Um, so that's who Kirk Franklin is, right? He's always been a groundbreaking musician. You always see him in other places that you don't normally see gospel artists, right? Um, you know, he regularly gets interviewed on The Breakfast Club. I can't think of one other gospel artist I see on The Breakfast Club, right? But he's so good at what he does that he's crossed over and become mainstream and hip-hop. Kirk Franklin is gospel, but Kirk Franklin is also hip-hop. Kirk Franklin has Grammys. Kirk Franklin worked on uh, Chance's album and Kanye's album, right? So he does a good job of bridging the gap. But when he cussed out his kid, which we can talk about that in a second, 
it was interesting that people like were so shocked by it. Like it was a little shocking because I've never heard Kirk use those words, but I've always known Kirk knew those words. You know what I mean? Like if you listen to some of his music, you know he knows those words. He may not say them as often anymore. He may not he may not use them as often anymore. He may not spew them publicly unless he's being recorded by his son, but he knows those words. Right. Here's another gospel artist that I know knows those words. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but John P. Key know those words. Pastor Key, if you somehow get a chance to watch this, Pastor Key know them words. Let me tell you how I know Pastor Key know the words. Pastor Key was a drug dealer. Okay. You don't drill deal drugs without knowing some of them words. You gotta know some of the combinations. You know, Kirk knew some of those. Kirk didn't know drug dealer combinations, but he know like I've been around some niggas' conversation. You know what I mean? He knew those type of combinations. John P. Key, he knows combinations, okay? John P. Key knows combinations. But anyway, what I'm saying is, what, what I'm saying is, I don't know how the expectation of Kirk got so high that people were so shocked that he knew those words. So that's one layer of this. Any human being, Christian or not, we all know those words. Some people would say, well, Tony, would you ever talk to your son that way? I hope not. But there's a couple things. My son ain't a 30-year-old grown man. Number one. Number two, I hope that me and my son never have a type of toxic relationship where he feels like he needs to record my phone call conversations. Okay? In addition to that, I just don't talk that way anyway. And I think that that's a big key here. Like, I don't, I don't curse, period. Like, not that I don't curse in public or not that I don't curse, you know, I don't curse, period. As a matter of fact, uh, I had a joke that I used to tell. Uh, I don't tell it anymore, but it was like, yeah, I, you know, I don't cuss when I do stand-up. I'm just like every other Christian. I only cuss during sex. Um, that's it, though. <laughs> like, I, I just don't, it's just not in my vocabulary. And when I was a kid, right, when cussing was cool, when cussing first became cool, when I was like in middle school, high school age, and all the kids were cussing, and it was like a, a great show of like independence and adulthood, and I'm grown because I can say all of these words I want to say. I was highly encouraged not to do it by multiple sources. As a matter of fact, one of them was my cousin group. Like you grew up in a big family like me. I got 60 cousins that all live in this city. When you grow up in a big group like that, right, you all influence each other in, in different ways. And when we all got around cussing age and I was ready to, you know, put my combinations out there, you know, try a little jab, a little hook or something out the, the, the verbal uppercut when I wanted to do that. The moment I said a cuss word in front of my big cousin, he came out of nowhere and punched me in the chest and told me like, hey, don't you talk like that. You're not allowed to say those words. I don't care what you hear me say. You don't talk like that. I don't care what you hear them say. I better not ever hear you say that. So immediately, the cussing spirit just just stopped right there. I never got the cussing spirit on me, right? <laughs> and so what I'm saying is if I were to get that level of angry with my son, those words just wouldn't come out of me because I don't I just don't talk that way and I never I never have. 
if you know people who knew me growing up, high school, college age, whatever, middle school, they'll tell you, like, Tony just doesn't talk that way. So it's not that I would never get that angry at my son, but specific to cussing him out in that way, I just probably, like, it just probably wouldn't come out. And I can tell you this, I don't have a 33-year-old son. I do have a 12-year-old son. I do have a 14, almost 15-year-old daughter. And I could tell you they've done some stuff to piss me off. I could tell you they've done some things where you want to grab them in the collar and look at them and just be like, it's something. It's something when somebody you created, that you birthed, disrespects you. Like, I don't like taking disrespect, period. I don't care who you is. I'm going to say it like that. I don't, I don't care who you is. That's I don't care. I-O-N. Care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care who you is. I don't like to be disrespected, period, with a T on the end. But it's something when that person that's disrespecting you is your seed. Something that, that you were involved in giving life to. Something that you provided for before they even know what providence was. Something that you clothed and bathed and bought Pampers and Infamil for $32.95 a can. And you had to get the Infamil lipo with iron because it, like, that's the first three months. <laughs> I haven't even got to, you know, tolerance and you walk in and you're growing out of your shoes every three to six months. And then we got to go to school and your teeth is crooked. So I got to get the braces and the orthodontia bill is coming in. And then you you can't see out of one of your eyes because your grandma and your mama's side is blind. And so now I got to. And you're going to disrespect me. <laughs> you, you're going to do this to me. <laughs> I don't blame Kirk Franklin for going full training day Denzel on his side. You gonna do this to me? You don't know who I am. And he had to tell him. And if you listen to that phone call conversation, you really, really listen to it. It sounds like Kirk is saying, okay, I've tried everything else with this grown man. Not just a little boy. I've tried everything else with this grown man. And he continues to disrespect me. All the other ways I'm saying it ain't connected. So let me tell it to you like this. <laughs> let, me, let me say it to you like this. Now, as a black man who grew up in a black family and a Christian family, I've heard my mama and my daddy take that tone. Cuss me out? No. Again, my family doesn't talk that way. My dad just doesn't talk. That, I don't know. He doesn't, I've never heard or known about him. You know, my dad don't put, don't pass gas in front of us. That's just my dad. You know what I mean? So I don't know if he, he's ever used though that language. I know he knows those words, but I don't know if he's ever used that. Right. So even at his maddest, I see him like want to grab you and punch you. I've been punched. I've been swung on, but I've heard them take that tone and say, okay, I've tried everything else I know how to do. And so now I'm going to wake up and choose violence. And this is what that violence looks like. Kirk's son better be lucky it was a phone call conversation and not a face-to-face. -face. Even a FaceTime, he should have been scared a little bit. Kirk might have punched through the FaceTime and grabbed this dude up and said, listen, let me tell you something, right? I've even had to say to my kids before, you know what? I don't get it. I've said this 
every way I know how to say it. The only other way I know how to say this to you is with my hands. That's all I got left. That's all I got left. And that may seem harsh to people today because it's 2021. But I grew up in an era where your mama could whoop you at the store in front of strangers. And the strangers would stop and commend your mom on doing a good job of raising her son. That's what I grew up in. You get a whooping at Value City. You get a whooping at H.H. Grigg. You get a whooping at Lazarus. You, you really get a whooping at Lazarus because they got belts right there at Lazarus. You get a whooping at J.C. Penney. You get a whooping at, at Service Merchandise. You're going to get a whooping in public. <laughs> and other people, what's going to say, you doing a good job for that boy. You keeping that boy honest. I remember one time I got in trouble at church. At church, the place of forgiveness. The place where you bring your burdens and your sins for forgiveness. I was at church. And my mama grabbed me, took me to the bathroom, in the women's restroom, and whooped me in the stall. And as she's whooping me, right? See, like, getting it in. Like, I don't know how she was able to get, like, full range of motion. Like, my mama was Serena Williams with the, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how she was able to, I don't know how she was able to get full range of motion in the bathroom stall, but she was getting, must have been the handicapper, because she was getting it, right? And as she's whooping me, I hear people coming in. So now am I not only physically in pain, but I'm emotionally embarrassed because there's other people that I got to walk out to who know what I just did in there. I Now, look, you may not have that specific example to live off of, but you know you've been in a stall somewhere and you did something and something happened in there. And you didn't want people outside to see you walk out after what just happened in there. That was me, okay? Put them situations together. I didn't want to go out there. I went out there. One of my aunties is out there. My great auntie, Auntie Will. I love her to death. She said, that's good, Vita. Talking to my mama, that's good. You keeping that boy honest. I said, what? <laughs> hey, ain't nobody here to help me. <laughs> what about taking me to the altar? I could have repented. <laughs> You didn't have to whoop me. Teach me how to repent. Come on. But all I'm saying is like, sometimes you get to that point where you're just like, ah, like we, we got to do something different now. And back in the day, that was okay. Today, I don't know. Like you can't whoop your kid. They, they call the police on you if you whoop your kids in public. You, you know, your kid are messing around and go live on TikTok or Instagram or something while you're whooping them and, by the time you get done and out of breath and sitting down back in your house shoes, police at your door with uh, instant replay of the whooping you just gave your kid. Like, I don't know. It's a, it's a different time. But I don't blame Kirk for being upset with his son, especially a grown son at this. And, 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 and if you listen to the conversation, you could tell this is not the first time they've had this type of conversation. So who knows how long they both have been dealing with this, right? And that adds another layer into it, right? So that video comes out. It's Kirk Franklin cussing out his son, no context. Other than, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being abused. His son is outing him for whatever reason. Then Kirk posts his video and reveals to some and to others already knew that him and his son have a toxic relationship. Now, if you didn't already know that, the video was proof of that. 
the fact that the video occurred, listen, I've never recorded a conversation of anybody in a healthy relationship. <laughs> There's been some times where I'm at work and I'm like, okay, here come the here come the crazy one. Hey, record. Yeah, here she come. Right? To protect my own self. But that wasn't a healthy relationship. That was that was that that was toxic in there. Nobody records any phone call conversations in a healthy relationship. So we knew it was toxic. What we learned from Kirk, it's been it's been toxic for years. And he's been trying through therapy and through counseling and through other family members and friends stepping in. He's been trying to do his best to try to work through this with his son because it's his son. He's not going to give up on his son. And I, I, I identify with that as well. So they got, they've gotten to a point where when they talk to each other, it's just toxic. A good question to ask is, at what point do you cut that toxic relationship out of your life? We always talk about protecting our energy and we talk about making sure that we don't let the negative people infiltrate our circle and all these other things. At what point, whether you're the father or the son, right? What, at what point do you cut off this toxic relationship? Here's the interesting thing. Kirk's baby mama, who I've never heard from before, did an interview. It's on YouTube. Carry On's mother, Kirk's first child, was with a woman before he met his wife, Tammy. She did an interview. And I won't give you all the details of the interview, but the essence of the interview was I couldn't stay silent while Kirk's name was being ran through the mud and he was attempted to be canceled, right? And I liked the interview because she did it with a friend, which I think is probably the only way she does that interview. But I disliked the interview because she did it with a friend. What I mean by that is, if I were conducting that interview, there were some things that she brought up that I would have dug deeper into out of curiosity. But because the friend is her friend, she already knows the answer to it. For example, and we're talking about toxic relationships here. For example, at one point, and I don't know timeline because she didn't reveal and the interviewer didn't ask. But at one point, the son, Carrion, thought that the father, Kirk, was going to kill him. And was actively trying to kill him. That would have been a big thing for me to say. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean trying to kill him? When did this happen? Is this recent? Is this related to the thing we just saw? Is that why he was recording? Because he felt like he was going to. You know what I mean? That was a very interesting statement that she made and she also said that no police report was was filed but she was for him going to file one if indeed he felt like he was being threatened now she didn't confirm whether kirk was trying to take an attempt on his life in fact she was more pro kirk than she was pro carrion she actually did the interview to speak up for Kirk on his behalf, which I can tell you something. For your baby mama to speak up on your behalf, especially once the kid is 30, 33, that speaks volumes. 
I got a baby mama. I don't know if she's speaking up on my behalf if a video comes out of me cussing out her kid, even if the kid's 33. I don't know. I don't know. Depends on the situation, I guess. But that, that speaks volumes, right? So she was speaking up for Kirk and said she wanted to speak to her son. And she wanted to say things that she's already said to him privately. But because he decided to make it a public matter, she felt like she needed to respond publicly to let people know Kirk is not this devil of a human being a lot of people are trying to make him out to be. So I felt like that spoke volumes. I felt like that was a big, big statement on Kirk's behalf if your baby mama, who really has no invested interest in your name, right? But more so an invested interest in her kid's health to speak up and say, no, carry on, you were wrong. This is not the way to do this. Kirk Franklin's daughter spoke up and said, listen, she had a little cuss in her too. It was, it was a light one though. It was, the, it was the cuss word all Christians. It's two cuss words all Christians are cool with. They ain't going to tell you this, but they cool with it. If you, if you talk to them long enough, they cool with it. And I'm talking about Christians across the board. That's hell and damn. A, a, a Christian will hell and damn you to death. I'm telling you. <laughs> now they say, oh, that's because it's in the Bible. So it's ass, but y'all don't use that one. But they'll hell and damn you to death. Now, if it's a Southern Baptist Christian, that's a little different. Because the only difference between a regular Christian and a Southern Baptist Christian is a Southern Baptist Christian will cuss you smooth out with no regret. Run into a Christian from Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, you know, Kirk from Texas, run into one of them Christians, do something wrong, cuss you smooth out. And see, some of these older Christians, right, who, who came up from the South, was born in Memphis, you know, born in Mississippi, not Mississippi, Mississippi, born in Florida, down in that area, Georgia. See, see, they came up here and got sophisticated. But go step on your grandma's toe. You want to see if your grandma cussed? If you're not sure, go step on the toe. You know what toe I'm talking about, the bunion toe. Go step on that toe. <laughs> see what words come out. If she say hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, then she for sure getting in the gates. But if she... And she used some of those Kirk combinations. She's Southern Baptist Christian. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But the question still remains, if you have all this proof, right? The mom is speaking up. The daughter is speaking up. This is all these things are coming together. For both of them, like if, I, if I'm Kirk and I got all this toxic stuff, stuff with my son, even though it's my son and it hurts, and if I'm the son and I think my dad is trying to kill me, at what point do you just say, listen, I don't care what the biology says. This isn't the relationship for us. And that doesn't mean that I'm cutting you off or I'll never speak to you or whatever. But at 33, Kirk, it's OK to be a dead be dead at this point. Like, it's OK. <laughs> it's some people that's 30 years old, ain't even got no daddy, ain't never had one. Right. I think about I think about people like that all the time, right? I lost my mom. My mom is gone. When I see somebody disrespecting their mama or complaining about their mama or talking crazy to their mama, do you know what that makes me want to do to them? Ho 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 ho! You got a mama. I don't know. I don't care what she did. I don't care what she like. I don't care what she said to you. I don't care what she did for you. Didn't do for you. You got one though. She's still here. I ain't trying to hear you complain about that. 
ain't, man, I ain't trying to. I talked to somebody and they talking about their mama called them and, and fussed them out and they was mad. Man, man, I wish my mama would call me and fuss me out right now. I, I wish she could. I wish my mama could come over here and fuss me out right now. Man, I wish my mama could. Man, come on. I ain't trying to hear nobody complaining about they willing, able, alive parent and one complaining because of something they ain't did with you, especially not in your 30s. So I think it's okay if you can't accept that, if you can't get with that, if you can't say, man, I'm just happy that I got one, then it's okay to 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 lessen that relationship. It's okay to not answer every time they call. It's okay to not always be there for the cookout. It's okay. Just because we biologically related don't mean we got to be family. And sometimes with family, it's not the right time to be family. It's not the right time. It's not the right relationship. There's a lot of scars that can't be healed at, at this time. And so overall, man, I'm not mad at Kirk Franklin. I'm not going to cancel Kirk Franklin. I'm not going to, you know, nobody is perfect. No Christian is perfect. I remember when I was a, a kid, I learned this lesson when I was a kid. And it's the last thing I'll say, uh, Indiana black expo. Uh, we had uh, Kirk Franklin was here. We had a bunch of other gospel, uh, Yolanda Adams was here. Harvey and Canton spirituals were here. A lot of people were here. Right. And I was down there and I was just enamored by these gospel artists because I watched them on VHS tape in my house and listened to them on cassette tape in the car everywhere we went because this is what my parents listened to. And so we just loved it. So I, I was so happy to go to the expo and see these people live. Kurt killed it and Harvey killed it. And you know, they were all doing so, so great. And in my mind, I put them on this high pedestal. And after one of the acts performed, I saw one of the lead singers, one of the one of these celebrities in my mind, right, smoking a cigarette behind stage. So, you know, I guess you could smoke inside at this time. You're smoking a cigarette, you know, litting up, chain smoking cigarettes behind stage. And for me, those two things didn't mesh because here it was, this person singing the gospel supposed to be this perfect human being in my kid eye and when they did that it disappointed me it, it disappointed me so bad but here's what i learned as i got older though the disappointment came from me the disappointment came from my shortcomings not theirs because i had i never put them on the pedestal to begin with i wouldn't have been so down about them being human if I didn't make them superhuman in my mind, I wouldn't have been so mad at them for showing themselves human. So there was an issue with me idolizing and deifying these human beings who were flawed just like I am, putting them on a pedestal that they didn't deserve to be on. And because they're up there in your mind, they're always going to fall short. You put them up there as perfect, they're always going to fall short. So for all you Christians mad at Kirk Franklin, I hate to tell you this, but that's your fault. That's because of the position you put him in. And if you're mad at me for saying that, you're going to be real mad at me for saying this. If you read your Bible like you're supposed to, you could have avoided this situation altogether because your Bible told you not to do it in the first place. But, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> all right.
I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I do want to uh, say thank you for everybody who is watching, commenting, sharing. I really do appreciate it. I was going through Instagram stories the other day and I saw my I, I was kind of flipping through almost mindlessly. And my son said, hey, that's your voice. And I was like, oh, it is. And someone has shared, you know, some of my podcast content on their Instagram story. Man, I'm so grateful for that. Like I said, I, I do this podcast because I want to, because I have fun with it. I love talking to you guys. I love expressing it. And when you guys love it enough that you share it with someone else, that means a lot to me as well. So thank you guys. I'll see you guys next week for episode 70 of In My Own Words. Peace. <laughs>